the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Good morning, Gloria America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt from the West Coast this morning. Live update. Russia says it has begun pulling back troops from around Ukraine. Could be a head fake. I don't know. Senator Dan Sullivan on the Armed Services Committee from Alaska joins me, one of our favorite senators. Good morning, Sullivan. Uh, Senator Sullivan. How are you? Good morning, Hugh. Great to be back on the show. Do you believe Putin is going away or do you think this is a head fake? I think it's a head fake, and I think we need to be ready for the head fake. And what I've been saying all along is we need to be ready for something much bigger, and it's what <clears throat> what I call the it's the new era of authoritarian aggression led by Putin, led by Xi Jinping. And I think it's going to be with us for decades, Hugh, and I think we need a new mindset. Everybody talks about great power competition. It's not great power competition. Russia, in my view, is not a great power. It's a mafia state acting as a gas station, but it is an aggressive power, and so is China, and we're not ready for this right now. No, we are not. Now, Senator Sullivan, I want to remind people you're a Marine. You've been in combat. You were on the National Security Council. There's a story in the Washington Post this morning about a so-called Tiger team that was put together by Jake Sullivan to respond to Ukraine. Did you have Tiger teams in your time at the NSA? You know, on the NSC, I did international econ issues and uh, national security, working for Condoleezza Rice, and I, I later did that as one of her assistant secretaries of state, sanctions, financial, energy. So, look, I mean, back when I worked at the NSC, it was so small that we didn't need Tiger teams. Now it's become this bloated bureaucracy. But I've, I've talked to Jake Sullivan recently, Hugh, and the one thing I keep telling him, Blinken, Secretary Austin, they use this phrase, we need to deal with Putin, Xi Jinping, from, quote, positions of strength. They're actually quoting Dean Acheson at the beginning of the Cold War uh, after World War II, the Secretary of State then. And what I say to them is, great, that sounds good, but in two key areas of positions of strength for America, you're showing weakness. One is the military. The Dems always come in, and no matter what, when they're in power, they want to cut the military, cut lethality, cut readiness. That's what Biden did with his budget he proposed last year. And then the second one, we've talked about it. It's a huge topic that matters domestically, but also internationally, is energy. Hugh, what these guys inherited, Biden, after the Trump administration and working with Republicans in the Senate, was American energy dominance. And they've come in and they have unilaterally disarmed. I don't think I've ever seen a policy that's hurt us more domestically. It's driven up energy prices. But it's national security suicide 
to be going after our energy sector. I see it every damn day in Alaska. I've pressed every one of these senior officials as recently as last week, like, what in the hell are you doing trying to disarm on energy? I want to emphasize this, Senator. Putin has paid for his stunt, even if he doesn't go in, by getting oil to $100 a barrel. Because he's a gas station. You're right. One out of ten barrels of oil in the world comes from Russia. It's Saudi Arabia with trees. So if he does this again, he'll get whatever he needs money. He's just going to do it again. And the only way to stop him is to have excess production capacity in the United States and among our allies. 110% in agreement. I I think I've uh, told this story before. I was in a meeting about four years ago with Senator McCain and a very prominent Russian dissident. So prominent, this guy had been poisoned twice by Putin and lived to tell the story, right? And at the end of the meeting, I said, what is the number one thing we can do to undermine this mafia regime and to keep Putin and the oligarchs on their heels and to undermine their strength? And he looked at me and said, it's easy, Senator. Number one thing America can do is produce more American energy. You can then get it to our allies. You undermine his strength. That's the biggest area of strength. And you Americans have it in abundance. This is what we did during the Trump administration. We achieved this bipartisan goal of decades, which was becoming the world's energy superpower again. Biden comes in and unilaterally um, starts to go after the energy sector, and the results are completely predictable. Higher energy prices for American working families, pink slips for American energy workers, especially in my state, and it's empowering our adversaries. Why? Because he's he's kowtowing to the woke left who hates American energy. It just makes makes no sense. Senator, I did do some reporting yesterday with former NATSEC officials on Team Trump, because I'm curious as to why they don't have enough harpoons and Neptunes to deter the Russian fleet in the Black Sea. I'm curious where the uh, the stingers are, where the javelins are. I was told square up. Uh, Mark Esper and the civilians at the Pentagon in the second half of the, of, of the Trump administration didn't do their job in arming Ukraine. Were you aware of that? No, I was not aware of that. What I pushed for, you might recall, was at the beginning of the Trump administration to do what Obama failed to do. You might remember Obama would not give the Ukrainians um, javelin missiles. He wouldn't. And the reason was, and look, I have this from very good sources, very good sources, he was scared that if he sent javelin missiles to Ukraine that that, uh, Putin would start a war with us. That's literally what Obama was thinking. Trump gets in, Mattis becomes secretary, and we send javelin missiles. By the way, the entire, um, all the members of the Armed Services Committee, all the Dems, all the R's supported this. We did it. Putin didn't say a damn word, right? Putin was actually quiet during the four years of the Trump administration. Think about that one. Yeah, yeah. Trump's under his, Trump's in his pocket, but the only time he invades or threatened to invade is with Obama and Biden. Look, you might remember I was on Meet the Press. I did a Washington Post op-ed saying... 
this notion that somehow Trump was weak on right. Putin right. and Obama was strong is completely upside down. But I was told that those javelins did not get there in a timely fashion well, because I, Team I Esper. I've heard other things about javelins being kept in warehouses, and I don't know um, who's to blame on Yeah, that. that's that's what I'm here, and, and it's got Esper's name on it. But let me go, Senator, if you don't, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about, I, I am absolutely stunned that we let Russia import seafood to the United States and they won't take ours. Now, you and Lisa Murkowski, and Lisa Murkowski is running for re-election. I want to tell the people in Copper Valley and Anchorage listening to me, she's a great senator. You should support her. I'm supporting her. I'm sure Dan Sullivan is supporting her re-election. Are you not, Senator? Yeah, I'm supporting her. Yeah, and so am I. And you and she have introduced a bill to ban Russian seafood imports. Why are they? Imp- Why do we take Russian seafood imports when they don't take ours? Okay, so do- don't even get me going. I've been working on this issue for seven years, and uh, after Russia invaded Crimea in 2014, Obama put sanctions on one of the re- uh, against Russia. One of the retaliations was that. Uh, the Russians banned all imports of American seafood. Well, guess, guess which state is the superpower of seafood? My Alaska. Yep. All, over 65% of all seafood harvested in America comes from the great state of Alaska. It I've never heard that, the superpower of seafood. Superpower of seafood, I use that phrase all the time. So often my Senate colleagues get sick of it. On <laughs> but hey, it's a fact. That facts hurt, right? I'm going to ask Cotton what Arkansas is the superpower. Yeah, of. yeah. Well, ask Cotton, right? Yeah, he knows. He's heard it a million times. Superpower of seafood. So they ban the imports of all American seafood, which is essentially targeting Alaska. And then essentially Russian seafood comes in duty-free. It's eaten the market of our seafood, our great fishermen uh, in Alaska. So I've been working this issue. I worked it with Obama. I worked it with Trump. Like, I loved Lighthizer, uh, the U.S. trade rep. Right. Ashtabula, Ohio, man. You got it. You know what? He wasn't so strong on this, and I don't know why the hell he wasn't. So I've been pressing now the Biden administration. I actually had a discussion with Jake Sullivan on this, the sanctions bill that we're working on here in the Senate, trying to get seafood. This is just easy. This is the easy button, Hugh. You want to harm Russia? Smack them. Smack their um, fishermen, who, by the way, illegally try to catch our fish anyways. But it's going to harm them, and we're already being harmed. This should have been done at the end of the Obama administration. It should have been done during the Trump administration. We've introduced legislation to get it done. I think it should pass. But if there's an invasion and the Biden administration is putting a massive sanctions package on it, I have been talking to every cabinet member in this administration. You better include smacking the Russian fishermen who have duty-free access to the great American market. And Russia's not letting us, Russia's not letting our imports in. Not one fish. Seven years of a ban. And it's really hurting my... Well, you know, that that's on Trump, too, though. I'm trying to point to people. Our Russia policy has been screwed up forever. Look, they I think under- Trump and the Trump administration on a whole host of things. I'd love to talk about it next time. I, like I said, I did an op-ed on it. I went on Meet the Press to talk about it. Was was actually quite strong on Russia. But on this, everybody's been weak. Obama, the Trump administration... And now Biden, we need to take care of Alaska's fishermen. Holy cow. Come on. I, 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 amen on that. And good luck to you and Senator Murkowski. I encourage you to come on and talk to me on the show about it. Senator Sullivan, go Browns. Senator Sullivan is unique in the Senate as being a Browns fan, not named. 
Well, there are no Browns fans. I sure Brown and, and Portman are Bengals fans. So Dan Sullivan is the Browns caucus. Stay tuned, America. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined now by United States Senator Tom Cotton from the great state of Arkansas. Good morning, Senator. Good morning, Hugh. It's good to be on with you. Earlier today, Senator Dan Sullivan, Alaska, informed me that Alaska is the superpower of seafood. So before I begin with my questions about Putin, what is Arkansas the superpower of? Oh, pretty much everything we try our hand at, you. Okay, well, there, if you just remain silent, you might add credibility there. But, okay, second thing, there's a story in the Washington Post today that the National Security Council has put together a so-called tiger team to anticipate the Putin response. Generally, wargaming is done at the Pentagon. I've not heard of this before, but maybe I'm just poorly informed. Have you heard of tiger teams at the NSC before? I haven't. I mean, I've heard of the concept, too. Um, obviously, the NSC, after the debacle in Afghanistan last summer, uh, needed to significantly improve its performance in terms of anticipating Vladimir Putin's moves in Ukraine and also uh, game planning out what our moves would be, uh, both in response and to try to head those off. Yeah, I might call it a Ukraine working group if I was serious. Last question before I go to Putin. Enos Cantor Freedom uh, got cut by the Rockets after he was traded there by the Celtics and hasn't been re-signed. In his last game, he had like 12 boards. The guy still has got game. What do you think is going on there? Um, I don't know. You know, I'm meeting with Anis Cantor Freedom later today. Hugh, he's in Washington. Um, and uh, I've gotten to know him over the years. I respect him not only as a basketball player, but as an outspoken advocate uh, for freedom around the world. So I'm going to ask him. Um, obviously, he still has a lot to contribute to teams around the league. So I'll be curious to see what do you have to say about the interest that other teams might be showing in him? Um, you know, the Daryl Morey, who uh, was uh, threatened by uh, Chinese communists for supporting Hong Kong a couple of years ago, was now when he was GM of the Rockets, is now the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, I believe. Seems to me, after their trades last week, the Sixers could use a, a strong tough big man underneath the back. Actually, Lara Marikin is, is out for the Cavs, so I hope when you see uh, Enos Freedom today, you'll tell him Cleveland is a great town. What? They're going to the finals, and uh, they could use uh, they could use a big, another big. So just, I'll, mention, I'll mention that as well to him. All right. Now, now Senator Cotton, uh, the serious stuff. Do you believe Putin is backing away, or is this a head fake? Well, I saw the headlines this morning, Hugh, uh, that uh, some elements – of uh, the 130,000-plus troops on the Ukraine border are uh, pulling back. Um, my understanding is, not having received any classified information on it, just on open-source information, is that those units are all the units that are permanently based near the Ukrainian border anyway. So it certainly would be uh, easy and convenient for him to re-engage those troops uh, if, for instance, he just wants to uh, head fake to the world that this is all an exercise, nothing's ha happening with Ukraine. Now that the exercise is complete, we're starting to redeploy our troops back home, and then some uh, supposed provocation forces him to invade Ukraine. Uh, so I, I would just say uh, be very skeptical about what Vladimir Putin is up to. Well, that's what, uh, you know, uh, pray for peace and keep your powder dry. I want to know if our redoubled efforts, late though they might be, are going to continue. Now, I know some of your former colleagues in the 101st, I believe, have deployed to Poland. I think that's great that the 82nd is there as well. I'm glad that we are sending, you know, when Nixon said to Israel during the Yom Kippur War, send everything that flies, we ought to be doing the same. But as I began investigating this, Senator Cotton, it turns out 
Secretary Esper and his team weren't very good at getting stuff over there either. Joe Biden's been bad. When are we going to get serious about protecting our ally? They're not NATO, but they're our ally. Yeah, Hugh, we should have done this uh, a long time ago. Uh, Vladimir Putin had a similar, though smaller, buildup on Ukraine's border last spring that he then drew down. Um, that should have been a, a, a eye-opening moment for the Biden administration, that they needed to substantially increase the pace of arms sales uh, to Ukraine. And also, we needed to begin to uh, plan for a, a suite of economic uh, sanctions that could be used before an invasion to deter Vladimir Putin. Um, again, it's just a, a failure of the Biden administration to plan in advance. I will say this, Hugh. Um, you know, some people have asked me what we should do uh, if Putin invades Ukraine. And I, too, have cited uh, that old Nixon story by saying uh, if Putin were to invade Ukraine, we should load every plane that flies with every weapon that shoots and send it straight to Taiwan. That's very smart. Uh, We shouldn't be doing, in in an emergency basis in Taiwan, a year or two or three years from now, uh, what we should have been doing in Ukraine all along. No, I I want to be both bipartisan and partisan here. Partisan comment. uh, Trump was so deep in Putin's pocket that Putin only invaded Crimea and Ukraine during Obama's tenure and only threatened to do so during Biden's tenure. That tells you something about what Putin assessed Trump's predictability at very low. But I just had another Pentagon insider write to me. Mark Esper was more afraid of making a wrong step than taking the right one. He was also convinced that he was protecting the country from Trump. The West Point clique was dangerous. I, I, I am shocked to find out we the Republicans didn't get an A when it came to helping Ukraine either, Tom Cotton. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Secretary Asper has a book coming out to you, and I suspect you'll be on book tour, and uh, you will might have a chance to ask him those questions. Uh, if, if he comes on your show, as I suspect you'll want to, to um, promote his book. Um, I, I think it is true that although President Trump was just objectively speaking tougher on Russia than either President Obama or President Biden, we still could have done more, uh, again, not to entangle ourselves um, in uh, Ukrainian politics, or make Ukraine a welfare state of the United States in terms of foreign aid, but to enable the Ukrainian people to defend themselves. I mean, Hugh, you've probably seen, as have your listeners, all those videos of Ukrainian reservists training with wooden guns. Yes. I mean, it's preposterous that that's happening. Uh, Our government and NATO governments for years should have been ensuring that Ukraine's army has the most basic kinds of weapons and equipment to defend its own territory. Specifically so, Vladimir Putin thinks twice before invading it. You know, this this goes to the heart and soul of deterrence, Senator. During the entire impeachment fiasco over whether Mick Mulvaney put a hold on Ukraine aid, I was saying to myself, this is not consistent with peace through strength. And what you just said about Taiwan is equally true about Ukraine and our NATO allies. If you forward position supplies, you won't have to ever engage American troops. Uh, Do you expect there to be a real change of heart among your Democratic colleagues on this point? Well, I certainly hope so, Hugh. I mean, even today, though, we're still not seeing that that change of heart. You know, Joe Biden uh, and Senate Democrats continue to refuse, for instance, to impose sanctions on Nord Stream 2. They keep adopting this affected, sophisticated pose that, well, we don't want to sanction him before because it will remove the deterrent effect. 
But Hugh, I mean, if you wait until Vladimir Putin invades Ukraine, sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline are beside the point. The entire point from Putin's standpoint of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline in the Baltic Sea is so he can still sell gas to Germany by avoiding the Ukrainian pipeline network. Well, if he invades Ukraine, it's going to be the Russian pipeline network, Hugh. Yeah. He won't care if the West sanctions Nord Stream 2. So even at this late date, with 130,000-plus Russian troops on Ukraine's border, many Democrats still seem not unwilling to take the kind of firm measures um, of economic sanctions and the threats of more that might possibly deter Putin. Now, Senator, one of the things I've been speculating this morning, and feel free to tell me you think it's stupid, which you often will if I'm stupid, is that Boris Johnson, hobbled by Partygate, has unleashed Ben Wallace's Secretary of Defense, spelled wrong over there, Liz Truss and others to be exceptionally belligerent. And I think Macron has been belligerent. Germany has left NATO for all I care. But do you think that maybe Partygate has helped us out here? I don't know if it's Partygate, Hugh, so much as it is Brexit. Um, You know, I, I think that Great Britain, by leaving the EU six years ago, um, has actually, as, as was said at the time, as, as I believed at the time, I think as you believed as well, enabled it to adopt a more independent foreign policy, both Absolutely. economic and military measures, uh, which in a crisis like this has strengthened its hand. Uh, Great Britain, along with the United States, ha- has been the most forward-leaning country in terms of supplying uh, weapons and other aid to Ukraine and threatening sanctions on, on Russia. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure it's, it's a fleeting political controversy um, like Partygate, so much as it is the kind of fundamental re- re-altering of uh, British um, foreign policy by leaving Brexit. Will armed services be having any hearings into the arming of our allies, Taiwan and Ukraine? Um, you know, Hugh, it, it, it's up to the chairman, Jack Reed, and the Democrats, and so far they've shown little interest in holding public hearings about anything that might reflect poorly on Joe Biden's Department of Defense. I mean, we can have hearings about climate change efforts um, in the Department of Defense, but anything that reflects poorly on Joe Biden's Department of Defense, uh, like the readiness of our forces while they're obsessed about all these uh, um, side issues or what happened in Afghanistan, doesn't seem to get any hearing at all. Or if it does, it gets a closed hearing, even though there's no classified information discussed. All right, last question. I want to talk to you about the Tiger team. Uh, the Washington Post got fed a story, and they're good reporters. Ellen Nekashima and Ashley Partick are good reporters. But obviously the NSC has a black eye over the Afghanistan debacle. So they've assured the Washington Post that they put together a tiger team, uh, a diverse group of experts who are tackling a specific problem that suggests alertness and a readiness to pounce. Created after the National Security Council saw last October Russian troop buildup on the Ukrainian border, NSC officials readily admit they may be unable to precisely anticipate the moves of Russia, but the exercise, the Tiger team, and robust planning is still worth it. I, I got to tell you, uh, I coached the Orange Tigers when my boys were young. I, I don't think this is great power telegraphing its strength, Tom Cotton. Um, no, I mean, I, I think it sounds like a bunch of children who are playing at war, um, a bunch of men and women at the NSC who have never been shot at and certainly never shot at anyone in anger who've spent their entire life sitting in 
conference rooms. Sometimes there's places that are called seminar rooms when they're on college campuses. Sometimes they're called the situation room when they unfortunately have power in the White House. But these people, these are people who have never done anything but just gab for a living. And then they run off to the Washington Post to, and come up with silly terms like tire teams to make themselves <laughs> sound like elite Delta commandos who are about to fast rope off the That's exactly how I reacted. Off. I didn't know how to phrase it, but that's it. They, 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 it's like Delta envy. Yeah. Um, no, so, I mean, uh, look, as you said, a Ukrainian working group might have been a better term for it, uh, but they wouldn't have had all the Obama, their Obama bro friends in podcast world tweeting how tough and cool they are this morning if they called it the Ukrainian working group as opposed to the Tiger Team. The Tiger Team. Well, we have the Tiger Team of broadcast here, and we appreciate your taking the time to talk to us, Senator Cotton. This Tiger Team will be here next week as well. Thank you, and have a good morning. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.